Alumni listeners, we hope you're registered for a reunion. If not, you can RSVP at stmarys-ca.edu slash reunion. Head back to Moraga the weekend of July 13th for some awesome events and a chance to hang out with your graduating class. We've got the reunion kickoff party, historic tours, family picnics, and wine tasting. If you haven't already, make sure to log on to stmarys-ca.edu slash reunion to RSVP. Well, for me, philanthropy is simply about giving back. And it's about um, doing our part, especially being part of the community, a LaSallean community, where it's in our blood to give back. Hi there, and welcome to Beyond Moraga's Hills. The official podcast of the St. Mary's College Alumni Association. I'm Zach Farmer, class of 2008, and my co-host is Sarah Niebel, class of 2019. How's it going, Sarah? Pretty good. Excited for this podcast. In this podcast, we will explore the exciting and life-changing stories of our alumni, learn from their expertise, and see what being a Gale looks like outside of the Moraga Valley. And part of that experience is learning about and embracing the idea of enter to learn, leave to serve. Some people volunteer in their communities in their free time. Some become LaSallean volunteers, social workers, teachers, and so much more. Many people find some way to give back to their community, and one of the ways is philanthropy. And in this podcast, we will look at one particular group, women. Women have growing philanthropic power, and the two most notable reasons are increased earnings and potential inheritance. While the wage gap still exists between men and women, American women are making more than ever before. Since 1997, women-owned businesses have increased revenue 79%, generating $1.5 trillion, according to a study by the Boston College Center on Wealth Philanthropy. How about this? According to a study from Boston College Consulting Group, North American women currently control unprecedented wealth approximately $13.2 trillion, and Forbes says that will only increase as women are set to inherit more than 70% of the $41 trillion in expected intergenerational wealth. We talked to three women, all of whom are involved in philanthropic organizations, about their outlook on the topic. Our first guest is Kelly Webb, class of 2011. She's in her first year on the Alumni Board of Directors and on the School of Economics and Business Administration Alumni Council. Thanks for joining us today, Kelly. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's start at the beginning and talk about what your experience with philanthropy looked like as a student and how did you get involved with it? Yeah, I would have to be totally honest. <laughs> I feel like it was not a lot. Um, I think, you know, whenever there, uh, you know, was an event that, you know, we had to go out and support, um, you know, I was on uh, the crew team, on the rowing and team. And so if, you know, we had to do, um, you know, the Silsa Run for Hunger, we would do that. Um, but I don't think there was anything too um you know, bright that I was really tied to. And I think that's where, you know, coming out of college, really finding um, a cause that you're really close to that is close to your heart. And while, you know, we were able to give back in the classroom, you know, really finding a kind of a connection with, you know, um, opportunities that you want, would want to give back. And so I think, you know, at St. Mary's, even though, you know, we kind of weave it into the classroom and the culture, you know, it definitely lays a foundation to give back, you know, as an alumni. Talk about finding those specific causes or nonprofits where you found a passion. Was it more about the cause or something that struck you on the personal level? Yeah, it was definitely the personal level. So um, we, my husband and I have adopted three dogs, which is too, too many. But, um, you know, with our second dog, Lenny, um, 
there was a local nonprofit that um, was actually uh, finding dogs over in Taiwan and having them brought over. And so, you know, we were just looking to adopt a dog. And so we actually, uh, you know, found him, fell in love, and then realized at the um, kind of through the process that they really didn't have a lot of support. And um, it was kind of one person that was, you know, captaining it you know as the founder and then had you know a few people helping out here and there but there really wasn't a lot of structure and backbone and so um we actually both decided to kind of step in and he's a photographer so he'll help um kind of with some of the photography and then um, with kind of my marketing background been able to help with their website and their social media presence and um, actually being able to put together um, events for them where they can fundraise and um you know, find other people that are kind of close to the animal rescue causes. Uh, but I found kind of having that personal connection and being able to adopt Lenny that we were closer and I felt more connected. And I understood what the organization was doing, how, where their money went, what they really needed help with. Um, because sometimes I feel like organizations can ask for general things and ideas, but really once you get to know somebody in the organization or a little bit more about the cause, you might find that there's other ways that they really need help that they might not necessarily identifying or is an easy way to solve with, you know, money or time or things like that. How have you seen or described the leadership of women manifest itself in nonprofits? To my experience, it seems like there's a lot of women who are dedicated to certain causes so much to the uh, point that they not only get involved but become leaders in, in their movement or they feel like there's something missing from that cause or initiative and so they'll start their own um either version or their own nonprofit to help close the gap that they feel like is there. So in my experience with Love and Second Chances where we adopted Lenny, um, Melody felt like who's the owner, uh, felt like she, uh, there was a lot of dogs that sat on the uh, euthanized list and they weren't really getting adopted. And then there's this push from these Asian countries that have this dog population that's kind of running rampant and how do we help get them uh, you know, to homes that, um, you know, are the best fit for the dogs. And so she created her organization, which is actually completely online. They don't actually have a physical location. And so uh, it's a little bit different. And it was also catering to a little bit of a different target market where they're going after these millennials who do most of their work online, that they it's easy for them to go through the process online and can kind of get matched up virtually without having to go to a physical shelter. And it's all foster-based. And so she found that that's um, a really easy way to get the dogs into a home temporary temporarily versus having to actually build a facility. We can definitely see the passion and involvement uh, that Kelly has with Love and Second Chances, and I think that that plays such a large part in women's involvement with philanthropy as a whole. Her involvement with the organization simply comes from her recognizing a gap within it, and just as she said, you know, she's attempting to fill that gap, and that's why she is involved in the organization. Um, And I think that that leads us to asking the question of why is it that women find comfort in particular organizations and continue to support them? And that points directly to trust. And there's definitely research to back it up. A 2015 study from Indiana University supports this idea where it reported women were more likely to give for altruistic reasons, but also because they have a trust in the charitable organization that they're involved in. And we see that in two ways with Kelly and then also with Love and Second Chances. Oh, no. Yeah, totally. Um, I think it's definitely exemplified through Kelly's experience. Uh, You know, she adopted a dog from the organization, saw firsthand how it all works, built a relationship um, with the staff there as well. 
And that ultimately points back to trust. And that's why she continues to support love and second chances, you know, in two ways, a way that benefits the dogs and Melody, the owner of the organization. Make sure to follow us on social media at Gale Alumni to stay up to date on information on everything alumni related. Videos, photos, and information to keep you updated about the college and fellow alumni. Again, that's Gale Alumni on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Be sure to head on over and follow. Go Gales! Our next guest is Tracy Golis. She graduated from St. Mary's in 1998 and received her master's from St. Mary's in 2008 and is currently on the Board of Regents. She and her husband, Matt, are the donors of the Golis Entrepreneurial Scholarship, which is awarded to two St. Mary's students in the School of Economics and Business Administration. Thanks for taking some time with us, Tracy. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So what comes to mind when you think of philanthropy and what does it mean for you? Well, on on kind of a, a large scale, as a member of the, our society, I feel like it's it's who I am and it's in my blood to be able to contribute back if I'm able to. So if I've been able to be productive in my work um, and in my pursuits, it only makes sense that I would give a piece of that back to kind of spur on new um, pursuits and new growth for other people, especially students who have such ambition. Um, and by giving back, especially to scholarship programs, I feel like I can take one student's small ounce of ambition and persistence and motivation and have that grow. How has it played a role in your life, whether that being on the receiving end or giving? Um, well, when I was a student here, I did receive a scholarship, a partial scholarship to attend, and I needed to get a job when I came to campus. So I worked in the development office, and I got to see how donors and philanthropists were able to really make huge changes in the lives of students that have opportunities they otherwise would never have had because of the generosity of the friends um, of the college. So I ended up going into lots of different careers, but one of those careers was in fundraising and advancement. And uh, it's just something that I keep coming back to, even when I've changed careers. So talk a bit about the, uh, the goal of scholarship and how it came about and what did it mean to kind of be able to give back to the college in that way? Well, it, the scholarship um, was created out of really a need um, that some of the folks at the college shared with my husband and I. We, we learned about a few students that were very ambitious. They were working several jobs to be able to come to St. Mary's. Um, they had aspirations to go do some internships. Um, and, and some some global experiences, and that was one of my majors here was international business, and so it definitely struck a chord with me, kind of what they were excited about doing, but they had very few financial resources to be able to do any of these things. So their plans were in jeopardy. Um, some of them, basic living needs were in jeopardy um, because they didn't have a place to live. They could not afford to live on campus. Um, so it just made complete sense to my husband and I to be able to to fund some of um, their education so they could fully experience uh, what St. Mary's had to offer them. And they have um, done amazing things during their time here and are about to graduate. So I, I'm very eager to see what lies ahead um, for these two young women who have benefited from the scholarship. In some of the research I found, women have increasing economic power, and that is only going to increase. Why is it important for women to get involved in philanthropy? I think it's important because uh, it is the future. Our, 
our students, we are graduating more females than males. Um, in the case of St. Mary's College, we used to be an all-male institution um, 40, 50 years ago. And today, we're graduating more women than men, and we have more women in leadership positions at the college than we've ever had. We have a, a president who is behind um, the movement of having more women in leadership positions, and it just seems to be a natural progression for uh, these women who are holding such strong positions to want to turn around and give back to institutions um, that reinvest in, in other women. You're among an increasing number of women with prominent roles at St. Mary's. What were some of the motivating factors for accepting a role on the Board of Regents, and why was it important to you? Uh, well, I, when I graduated uh, from St. Mary's, as I, I think I mentioned, I worked in the Development and Advancement Office, so I got to meet a lot of the donors um, of the college who were predominantly men, because for years the college served men only. Um, and it was really neat to be a part of the movement that embraced women um, and to see from my time at the college all the way to now um, to see how we are graduating more women than men, to see how involved these women are in different initiatives, um, to also see what our graduates are doing. Our female graduates are doing amazing things. They are leading strategic endeavors at their companies and, um, and different organizations. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see more women, especially women who have such a strong voice in their, um, in their communities and, and in their professions, come to the college and give back. Tracy does continue to come back to philanthropy and encourages others to give back and pay it forward so that other students who are in similar positions in school have the same and if not better opportunities to succeed. With such generosity, there is a road paved towards success for these students after graduation and as they're headed into the real world. Definitely. And the number of women becoming doctors, lawyers, and business executives is increasing. Women make up about half of the students in medical, law, and business schools and all PhD programs. According to the Association of American Medical Colleges, 47.6% of 2015 medical school graduates were women, whereas in 1966, it was only 6.9%, which is a crazy number. Yeah, that's insane. Next, we're going to talk to a current SMC student who's going to share her experience with philanthropy. Stay tuned. If you're looking for a little more information about events, features, or ways to get involved, you can log on to stmarys-ca.edu slash alumni and find all this information. You could also sign up for our monthly e-newsletter. Again, that's stmarys-ca.edu slash alumni for all your alumni information. Check us out. For more future content and to find out how to get involved at St. Mary's, visit our website stmarys-ca.edu slash alumni. Today we're here with Lauren Mitchell, who is a philanthropy chair on the executive team for Gale Sisterhood, which is an inclusive student-run organization focused on building uh, relationships among other female students on campus. Uh, we're really happy to have you here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Um, Thanks for so having me. Jump right into it. So I guess one of the questions um, that I would have is, what is your passion for philanthropy? Uh, was there a point that made you say, this is it and this is what I want to do? 
Um, I think that philanthropy in, like, certain aspects has always been a part of my life because a lot of times, like, you see philanthropy within kind of religious beliefs, and I grew up Catholic, and I went to church every Sunday with my parents, and, I mean, I have memories of my brother and I fighting over who was going to put, like, the check in the collection basket when I was, like, in elementary school still. And so I was raised with the idea that we do give like money away that like what we can obviously and like also growing up like I did go to Catholic elementary school and high school and so I was always involved with philanthropy through them because they gave us those opportunities like in high school we had something called um denim days because I had to wear a uniform and so almost every Wednesday we would pay two dollars and get to wear jeans instead of our uniform and they would pick different causes and like people who needed it to like give the money to so I just yeah I really think it's always been a part of my life. Um, talking about different organizations and stuff like that, what makes you support a specific nonprofit? Um, is it a personal cause or just the cause in general? Um, I think it kind of depends. For me, Relay for Life is personal because I have had a grandparent on each side of my family pass away from cancer. And it was to the point where, like, I never got to meet either of them because they passed away before I was born. And, you know, my dad always tells me, like, oh, my like my dad would have loved to meet you like he would have loved you and it's just like in the future like no one no one should have to hear that like because of cancer like you don't get to meet your grandparents so really for life is personal for me but I also think the other ways I've been involved with philanthropy it has been through activities and organizations that I've been a part of so really for life didn't become a big deal for me until last year because I was a part of Gail Sisterhood and it's such a big part of our club. Yeah, I think it's a really great way to show people that are going through a hard time like that that they're really not alone. How do you encourage people to get involved with philanthropy? Um, I believe that when I'm talking to other people and kind of encouraging them to get involved for themselves, I'm really thinking of the idea that, well, this cause may not be close to you, but wouldn't you want support from someone else? And so just kind of making sure that they relate to that idea and see that it's not just about themselves and it's bigger than themselves if that's what they're having the issue getting past. For Lauren, clearly philanthropy was something that was instilled at a young age. She talks about the story of when she would would go to church every week and fight with her brother for the collection plate. A clear example of how this was not something that she picked up later on. It was something that she learned about and started to embrace at a very early age. And then that translated to her passion for Relay for Life, not getting to to know her grandparents and not wanting others to go through the same experience that she did or wasn't unable to go through, getting to know her relatives and whatnot. And this passion is something that connects all three of our interviewees today, whether that be Tracy and scholarships, Love and Second Chances and Kelly, Relay for Life and Lauren, there is a strong connection to the cause in which they decided to back. After doing a little bit of research ourselves, after interviewing um, these three people, um, a lot of what they said backed up what we found in research, which I thought was super interesting um, and just continues to prove to us that, um, you know, this world of philanthropy is really all interconnected with one another. What is most interesting here is the characteristics that led all three of our interviewees to their particular organizations, and that was personal experience and trust. Finding that immediate and authentic connection to a cause, which then leads to an immediate involvement. 
Building connections with the organizations after becoming involved lays down the foundation of trust, just as Kelly found with Melody, Director of Love and Second Chances. Thank you to our guests, Tracy Golis, Kelly Webb, and Lauren Mitchell. I'm Zach Farmer. And I'm Sarah Nebel. Thank you for listening. of St. Mary's students receive financial aid, and it all comes from the support of our generous donors, you. Support our LaSallian mission and define the future for generations of Gales to come by donating at stmarys-ca.edu slash giving. Go Gales!